You say, is this the great reset? No, this is the preset. This is the preset for the coming reset that the Antichrist will bring. But you can't have these things for a reset unless some things are in place. And they are coming into place which should open your eyes up because Israel is back in the land. Globalism is growing. And these are all things that will take place before Jesus comes back. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. Today is part three in the conclusion of Pastor Carl's sermon entitled, The Great Religious Reset. Over the past two days, Pastor Carl has been preaching on how the coming global religion will defy the God of heaven, destroy the saints of God, and today we will see how the coming global religion will delude the masses on earth. Let's join Pastor Carl now as he continues. So he opened his mouth in blasphemies to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle to those who dwell in heaven. But you see, God is going to use the horrors of the tribulation to bring the Jewish people to faith in Christ. Remember, it's called the time of Jacob's trouble in the Old Testament. And the chief function of the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy is, among other things, the conversion of the Jews. Remember, Moses wrote of this in Deuteronomy 4. When you are in distress, and all these things have come upon you, in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. Likewise, Zechariah the prophet looks down the corridors of time to when the Jews will embrace the Messiah whom they rejected. I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication so that they will look on me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping of a firstborn. Again, this is precisely what Jesus taught is recorded in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel. Matthew, if you remember, reminds us that when Jesus on Palm Sunday came into Jerusalem, he wept over the city because he officially presented himself on the 173,880th day of Daniel's prophecy, and they ended up rejecting him. And so he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets, and stone those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together. The way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you are unwilling. And as predicted by Daniel, and has happened in 70 AD, Jesus said, Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. And then Jesus makes this remarkable prophecy concerning the Jewish people. For I say to you, from now on, you will not see me until... You say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Look, the rapture of the church can happen at any moment. But the second coming of Jesus to the earth cannot happen. It cannot happen until they say, Baruch HaBaba Shem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, don't get lost in this forest of theology. When the Antichrist steps on the scene and he commits the abomination of desolation in a rebuilt temple, making himself out to be God, and we'll see something else that will accompany that that will lead to the eyes of the Jewish people being opened. All hell is going to break loose. Verse 6 says, And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. Again, they will call what is holy evil. And he will blaspheme 
God's tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. Contextually, he's talking about people who had their heads cut off. And what is he going to say? Oh, you know, all these Christians. Look what happened to them. They didn't follow me. And he'll make fun of them. The global religion will defy the God of heaven. Secondly, the global religion will destroy the saints of God. Not only will it defy the God of heaven, it will destroy the saints of God. Now, when you see the word saints in the New Testament and register this, especially in the Revelation, ask what context is the word being used? The Lord speaks about the saints of the Lord by the psalmist in the Old Testament. The Bible speaks of church saints. It speaks of tribulation saints. It speaks of coming millennial saints. So every time you see the word saint, it's not always in reference to the church. Look at verse 7. It was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. So verse 6 indicates Satan cannot harm the glorified saints that are in heaven who are in the tabernacle of God. So what does he do? He goes after those who are not sealed with a special seal on the earth. Remember, there's 144,000 Jews that cannot be killed. You could drop an atomic bomb on them and you couldn't kill them. These are God's missionaries who will preach the gospel to every tribe, tongue, and nation. They will pull off what we haven't been able to do. And so Jesus says, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world and then the end shall come. He's talking about what's going to happen during the tribulation period. John documents that in Revelation 7. The gospel will go out to the whole world. So he can't kill those 144,000, can't even harm the two witnesses that will preach for the Temple Mount until it's time for them to be hurt. They're killed and they stand, they're laid there on the streets for a few days. The world celebrates and then they're brought up into heaven. But he can go after the rest of those people, tribulation saints. John has already mentioned this, put out in the margin, Revelation 6, 11. Let me read it to you. And there was given to each of them a white robe. And they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. So these are the tribulation saints who are dying, and how are they killed? Revelation 20, verse 4. Their heads are cut off. You won't renounce Jesus? That's it. Now, let me just say parenthetically here, notice they receive a white robe. And I hope you have a white robe waiting for you. You only have one if you've received Jesus as Lord. It speaks of the righteousness that is gifted. You need a righteousness that you can't earn. It has to be imputed. It has to be gifted to you. They are in white robes. And by the way, they are not in their resurrection bodies. Look, when I go to the funeral home and people are deep in grief and they say, oh, my loved one, he's up in heaven dancing in his new resurrection body, all these statements, it's not the time typically to correct them. I just let them grieve. I grieve with them. But they're not in their resurrection body. They're given some kind of temporary body. The tribulation saints, like the Old Testament saints, they're not resurrected until Daniel 12, 1 and 2, the end of the seven years. The first that will get resurrection bodies will be the church saints. But they are given some kind of robe. So you say, if I die, do I just meet this disembodied spirit and I don't know who they are? No, you will recognize them. Just like Moses and Elijah were recognizable in the Mount of Transfiguration, so will your loved ones. But that's not their resurrection body. Moses and Elijah and Enoch aren't in resurrected bodies. You say, wait a minute, Enoch and Elijah were carried up into heaven. Moses was buried. 
They're not in their resurrection bodies. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This mortality must put on immortality. This perishable must put on the imperishable. Somewhere in the transition, their human body was shed, and they were given this intermediate body. Look, you've got to hang a robe on something, so they're, 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 they're in something. So when your loved one dies and they go to heaven and you go and you see them before the rapture, you will know who they are. Now further in Revelation 6 and verse 9, he says, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who've been slain. Why? Because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. You know that testimony? It's the Greek word martoria. We get our English word martyr from it. These were martyrs for the faith. They had a testimony that they maintained. When threatened with death, they confessed Jesus. What would happen if some lunatic came in here and put a gun to your head and said, you renounce Jesus or I'll shoot you? What would you do? I have no doubt what I might do. Now, I might try to jump the guy and take his gun. But I can tell you, I won't renounce Jesus. We're going to cut your head off, tribulation saints. Then so be it, because we are not going to renounce Jesus. And so again here in Revelation 13 and verse 7, it was given to him, the Antichrist, to make war with the saints, can't make war with those who are in heaven, and to overcome them. So the Antichrist will not overcome the believers in a spiritual sense, but he will in a physical sense. And all nominal Christians who have not repented or have apostatized and who take the mark of the beast, they'll be safe. But the genuine saints of God, they will experience persecution like the world has never, ever seen. The global religion will defy the God of heaven the global religion will destroy the saints of God. Third and finally, the global religion will delude the masses on earth. It will delude the masses on the earth. Look now, if you will, at verse 7. It was given to him, the Antichrist, to make war with the saints and overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. The Antichrist will succeed in total world domination. You say, well, how will he pull this off? Well, by persecution or reward, you have a choice. Or as Second Thessalonians 2, as we studied, he will come with lying signs, wonders, and miracles, with false miracles. Many will believe that because they rejected the truth. He'll bedazzle the world. And certainly, as we'll see next time, through a one-world economy, you can't survive unless you give allegiance to the Antichrist. So even great nations like the United States, assuming we're still a superpower... They will yield to this man. He comes over every tongue and tribe and nation. It will be one nation under a false god. Verse 8, all who dwell on the earth will worship him. Some of your translations say, all the inhabitants of the earth. Or one translation says, all who live on the earth. But the Greek text says, all the earth dwellers will worship him. And that's important because this phrase, the earth dwellers, is used 11 times in the book of Revelation to describe unbelievers who live for this world only. They live for this life only. They're materialists. They're humanists. And as John underscores in a number of passages, they're involved in the occult and they're involved in sexual immorality. 
Now, you meet people every day who are not interested in the things of God. Why? Because they love their evil deeds. They're TLO people, this life only people. The good life is now. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone, notice, whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world and the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. The unbeliever who worships the Antichrist, according to this verse, his name is not written in the book of life. But the text says here, their names of those believers have been written from the foundation of the world. Uh, We used to have a little ditty. We'd sing, there's a new name written down in glory. That's not true. It's written before the foundation of the world. Now, maybe there's a check mark put next to the name after someone's converted. But the names are written in eternity past. You say, then it's all fixed. No, it's not. If God didn't know whose names would be in his book of life, he wouldn't be God. God is an omniscient God. And so Revelation 21 and 27 says, when it speaks of the new heaven and the new earth, it speaks of those who will enter heaven as those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That doesn't take away from your free will. It just affirms the omniscience of an all-knowing God. The question is, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? If it's not, it's because you're a confirmed unbeliever. If it's written there, it means you're coming to faith. You say, well, I want to make sure it's written there. Then you better come to faith. <laughs> you, better re- you better repent and believe on the Lord Jesus. By the way, this phrase, it's difficult to put into English, looks both ways before the foundation of the world. Not only of those names that are written, but of Jesus who's slain before the foundation of the world. See, it was in the heart and plan of God for Jesus to come ever before he wrote the world into existence. It's not like Adam sinned and, oh, what are we going to do? Before the foundation of the world, God had a plan. And by the way, we are not victims from Adam. We're accomplices with Adam. We sinned in and with Adam. That's why we're incriminated with his sin. But in the heart and mind of God, because God loves man, but we were still free moral agents and we rebelled against God. It was in his heart and mind to die and bleed in our place as our substitute so that we could be forgiven. Ever before the tree was planted that the Lord Jesus would hang on, God had it in his heart to take on our humanity. God was in Christ reconciling the world through himself. Verse 9, he concludes, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. That's his way of getting your attention. What I'm about to say is very important. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance in the faith of the saints. So those destined for captivity because they live at this time in human history and are saved during this time, they will go to captivity. This is simply a, a warning of this coming persecution that will come on God's people. Some will be in prison, some will be killed. But there's a balancing truth. Justice will come. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. John is simply reminding us that those who persecute the people of God, God will ultimately deal with justly. Here is the perseverance, he says, in the faith of the saints. John is just writing about this coming trouble because this book was given not only 
to people who will read this during the seven-year period, but for us. Listen, dads, you need to be preparing your children in this day that we live in because persecution is coming. You say, well, is the World Economic Forum really a religious organization? You better believe it. It is a godless gang. Here's a picture of Klaus Schwab in his robe behind his podium. By the way, on page 218, under the heading of moral choices, I wrote it down. He said, there are no moral absolutes. And so what does he say? He says, what's good for the whole is good for the rest. As the majority goes, so the world should go. And that's what this current administration is doing. We have an evil president. He is evil. He is the one who forced the hand of President Obama to redefine marriage. And we have an evil vice president who performs homosexual marriages. And they say, we are evil because we affirm that there's no such thing as transgenderism and we believe marriage is between a man and a woman. Schwab is an evil man. Notice his robe. It looks somewhat Luciferian, I suppose. But notice the symbol on his robe and the symbol that's on his podium. There's a nine-pointed star, the star of Ishtar. It's known as the Enneagram. The modern-day Enneagram simply means, they they say it's a, a fusion between religion and philosophical traditions, and they embrace teachings from Roman Catholicism, from Kabbalah, from Buddhism, from Islam, from the Baha'i faith. This star of Ishtar, they say, is a symbol of, us, of people having involvement with cosmic deities. We call them demons. Look, when this man speaks, he's got the United Nations head. He's got the head of the International Monetary Fund. He has the head of the World Bank. He has presidents, kings, over 100 nations. And he's behind this podium. Do you think maybe there's one person who says, I wonder what those symbols are? They know what they are. Now, the only one who didn't really acquiesce was our former president. And when he went, he said, I don't believe in globalism. He said, I believe in America first. What was he affirming? He was affirming Acts 17, whether you like Donald Trump or not. He was affirming the biblical truth that there are boundaries in geographical settings that God made to make a nation a nation. But you see, that's all erased. And so you have these prominent icons And notice, too, you have the bull with a cross positioned between his horns. That's a symbol for Mithraism. Mithraism is the worship of the creation. And so now the push on global warming. Notice the model. It's the Latin words for knowledge of immense power. It's Gnosticism. It speaks of an eternal world without a living God. Now, I just want you to see that there's this guy, Klaus Schwab, who has, by the way, over 700 people who work for him. And he has offices not just in Geneva, but New York, San Francisco, Beijing, Tokyo, and major cities of the world. He's got all these world leaders who come together. And you would have to be naive 
to think that there's not some religious component to this. You say, is this the great reset? No, this is the preset. This is the preset for the coming reset that the Antichrist will bring. But you can't have these things for a reset unless some things are in place. And they are coming into place which should open your eyes up because Israel is back in the land. Globalism is growing. And these are all things that will take place before Jesus comes back. There's an economic reset. There's a governmental reset. And there's a religious reset. And we're going to see how all three blend together, but we're going to have to wait till next time because we're going to celebrate the Lord's table. Now, let me give some applications as we close. Three applications, very simple. Number one, while global religion will someday defy the God of heaven, there is growing defiance, and we must remain faithful. We must remain faithful. Someday God will make every wrong right, and someday those who have harmed God's people will be brought under the justice of God Almighty. The Apostle Paul underscores this same truth to the church at Thessalonica, who were under intense persecution, and he reminds them, for after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to give relief to you who are afflicted. It may not happen in your life, but it will happen to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not obey, to those who do not know God, and to those who do not obey. It's a word to mean to listen under. They don't submit to the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And what will happen? They'll pay the penalty of eternal destruction. Away from the presence of the Lord. We call that hell. Away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Persecution is growing. The epitome of all persecution will unfold during this seven-year period. But dads and moms, you need to be preparing your children and grandchildren today. They need to know that this is part of living in the world that we live in. They wanted to shut a school in Florida last week for the simple reason that they did not embrace transgenderism. Thank God there's a governor in that state that has a little backbone. But if your children don't know how to stand up, they will fold up. They need to be prepared. Look, they go to Clemson or USC or the Citadel or Harvard or Yale or any other institution. They're going to be loners in terms of their worldview. And they're going to be ostracized. And you need to prepare them because there's a growing darkness and hostility. I'm not discouraged. We're just learning that God is screwing in all the sockets of prophecy. I've read the end of the story. We're on the winning side. (laughs) Secondly, while global religion will someday destroy the saints of God, there is growing persecution, and we must not be fearful. We must not be fearful. Now, four times the phrase given to him was unfolded in our text. And it's a demonstration of God's sovereignty over Satan. I have them underlined in my Bible. The first half of verse 5, a mouth was given to him. The second half of verse 5, authority to act for 42 months was given to him. And verse 7, to make war was given to him. At the end of verse 7, authority over every tribe, people, and tongue, and nation was given to him. 
The Antichrist has four givens. He's able to blaspheme, he's able to lead, he's able to persecute, and he is able to rule. Well, who gave him these freedoms? Well, obviously, Satan is the intermediate source. But Satan cannot do anything that God does not allow. allow. It's a delegated power. Indeed, Luther was correct when he said, the devil is God's devil. Satan is on a leash, as the book of Job documents. He has limited power, but his power is real. And his hatred is going to be expressed in a coming day like the world has never seen it, but it's beginning to happen now. And if we just stay on this course, it's not going to be easy to be an evangelical. By evangelical, I mean a Bible-believing Christian. It won't be easy. That's our reminder to walk with God. I was talking to a brother recently, and he said, I'm afraid of the devil. I said, you should be afraid of the devil because of the way you're living. You're out of fellowship with God. You've got every reason in the world to be afraid of the devil. But if you're walking with the Lord, you don't have to be afraid of the devil. You respect him, but you don't have to be afraid. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's like going into a zoo. There's a ferocious lion and And Satan is likened to a a prowling lion seeking someone to devour. You put your hand in the cage, you're toast. Stand outside the cage, you don't have too much to worry about. Satan was defeated at the cross. And as long as you walk with God, you'll be fine. Third and finally, while global religion will someday delude the masses on earth, there is a growing delusion that we need not be a part of. We don't have to be a part of this coming delusion. Verse 9, we just read it. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Did you notice that there's something missing? Seven times in chapters 2 and 3, it says, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That was added. He who has an ear, let him hear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What's missing? The church. Because the church is gone. An open door in heaven lets the church in, and so the church is not mentioned again until chapter 19 when we come back with Jesus. Are you a member of the church? I didn't mean a local church, but the universal body of Christ. You need to be. And if you're not, You're headed for trouble and ultimately eternal trouble. Now, Father, thank you that you not only wrote the beginning, you wrote the end to help us, to equip us to walk with you. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Help someone who's here who's never received Jesus to call upon him in faith. For you promise whoever will call on Jesus' name will be saved. We ask it in his name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, you can order a CD or DVD copy by calling Search the Scriptures at 877-787-7478 and requesting program God's Prophetic Schedule 015. Before we go, one of the most difficult questions posed by both Christians and skeptics of Christianity is the question, what about those who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, Dr. Brogy answers that question both biblically and clearly by explaining the justice of God, 
the lostness of mankind and the incredible power of the gospel in his book, Are the Unevangelized Really Lost? You can receive your own copy with a donation of any amount to Search the Scriptures. Please call Search the Scriptures at 877-787-7478 to receive your copy today. We hope that you will join us tomorrow as we continue to Search the Scriptures.